Because it's her swan song before she goes on holiday, I'm taking Bex to kill some earwigs at Jurassic World. It's no wonder all my friends hate me. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And this is off screen your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Off Screen. And yes, you're very right. I'm off for a few weeks after this uh, recording. Off to the wonderful land across the pond to New York City uh, just to do some other cool things and possibly visit some movie locations on the way. But before we do all that, we've got some great movies that we are going to be uh, reviewing for you this week. The big one this week, of course, and you're going to want to wait around for this, is Jurassic World Dominion. We have the ultimate guide to whether or not this is any good uh, coming up very shortly. But first, we're going to kick off with Swan Song, which is the story of... An aging hairdresser, flamboyant gay hairdresser who now lives in a retirement home and has been approached by a bank teller who essentially tells him that one of their clients has um, passed away and has left a last wish for him to come and cut her hair for the sum of $25,000. And this is the film that shows his journey of breaking out from the retirement home and making his journey to fulfill that wish. Have you seen the register today? I'm sorry to let you know that a former client has passed away. We've lost Rita Parker Sloan. Rita specified in her will that you were to do her hair and makeup for the funeral. First showing is day after tomorrow at 11 a.m. Ransom Funeral Home will require your services tomorrow night. That photo is from a year ago. Perhaps you could recreate the same hairstyle? Split ends and all. Ooh, the sass on Udo Kier. Now, I am a fan of Udo Kier. Lifelong yeah. fan of Udo Kier. No one does creepy, menacing, intense. He is. He was Mads before there was Mads. You know yes. that was Udo Kier. Udo Kier was one of those guys that you just started watching the movie Blade, and you knew at some point. Even in 1998, Udo Kier is going to show up at some point in this. I just know it. And that has been Udo Kier for many years. He, he actually joined the Human Centipede franchise several films into it evidently despite just because everyone thought everyone kept mistaking him for the guy that was already in it so the guy has got a bit of a sense of humor and that mean streak and that nasty sense of humor comes to the fore here i think this is I, i first of all i think this is great for all of the mumblecore festival darlings that i've had peddled my way over the years and pitched to me by a billion cardigans as being the second coming This is one of the ones, this actually is what they're usually describing to me, only it's actually as good as they're describing it. Um, It's the latest from Todd Stevens, who I think did my big gay movie, I think it was, a few years ago. I think I got a sequel uh, as well. But this is all about Udo Kier. This is this sort of almost six feet under level, just black-hearted comedy. It's got a very moving side and a very sincere side, but it's just as willing to be nasty and just as willing to be unlikable. And somehow through all of that, you get this, you actually understand why people still gravitate into the orbit of this very clearly dysfunctional person, because the writing is so strong and Udo Kier's performance is just there. The story, I will grant you, is not anything particularly revelatory. Like This is not going to blow anyone's world off as to, you know, like narrative structure or anything like that. But as a just really 
you know, nice, soothing, heartfelt, kind of, but at the same time, hilarious, just character piece. I thought it worked quite well. Nicely, uh, nicely timed. It was about 90 minutes here, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think for me, the jarring element of this is exactly what you've actually just described. It's Udo Kier, mm. and I just don't expect to see him in the birdcage. <laughs> so, so, and not that it's in any way that flamboyant, but there is that kind of slight hints and elements to his his camp, you know, yesteryear and, and stuff. And he plays it so straight, excuse the pun in this respect, that it, it, and so quietly that it feels sinister and weird and you don't know if you can warm to him. And I was like, I lose, I do lose that kind of, empathy to want to follow his journey a little bit because of that now don't get me wrong i thought jennifer coolidge was brilliant in it i i loved her downplaying because that's against mm. type of what we're used to very much is yeah 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 and i like that kind of juxtaposition and what what this film is doing is taking the, the character taking actors that we know for something and giving them something completely the opposite and i think that works really well it's whether or not you will resonate with that for me, it didn't resonate as much. I actually wanted it to be more fabulous and flamboyant. And it was just an old guy, in my respect, making a journey to go and fulfill a last wish. And as you say, it's not particularly relevatory, but it is something that for me, just I needed that extra oomph for it to be brilliant. I'm just going to say, though, that if that old man was Bruce Dern and this were directed by, I don't know, just Paul Thomas Anderson something, and it was the exact same movie, this thing would win Best Picture. But, yeah. uh, and, and you and I, you and I both know we could bet folding money on that hypothetical as well. Anyway, yeah. so that's, uh, that's one song. It's out today from, uh, out today uh, from, from Todd Stevens, starring Udo Kia. Um, middling thumb to thumb down from you I'd say thumb up from me entirely um on to earwig then which I think would be even more divisive you told me you hadn't seen this one ahead of this week and I uh, I'm kind of glad in one sense because I would have I, I I meant to text you and, and warn you that uh, this one might perhaps not be up your particular alley back so I'm sorry about that one so this is set somewhere it's kind of ill-defined in sort of wartime 20th century Europe. Okay, it's not yeah. specifically defined, I don't think. It could be it could be Italy, could be France. It's not particularly defined, I don't think. And it's um it, it's it's about a man named Albert who looks after a little girl who lives in this sort of you know, ramshackle apartment. And he has he basically is tasked with running this routine where he, he looks after her and he maintains a sort of dental apparatus that gives her teeth made of ice and he does this at the behest of someone who telephones him someone he calls master who telephones him one day and then says by the way you've got to get her out of there and he does and this sort of you know takes them out into the world and sort of starts the question of what he what it is that he's actually doing and who it is he can trust and and why we've not got a clip for you um it's bonkers for, for lack of a better term uh, I, come it on. sounds your description of it sounds like it should be Renfield, the movie, you know, like bugs and like bewitching yeah, someone. Yeah. It's weird. It, it reminded me a lot of when I first saw Dark City, if I'm really honest. Like when I was, when I was about 15 and I saw Dark City for the first time and I, did, and I didn't get it. And I was just like, what on earth is this? And you, cause you know, when you're a teenager around that time, you're like, what? the hell am I watching? You come back to it, like Existence or Cronenberg, you know, that kind of thing. It has that kind of feel to it. 
it is one. I, I think it, there must clearly be more to it than I'm seeing. I mean, it's one of those where you're like, it's a four-star vision. I couldn't tell you what the hell that vision is. But Maybe it's too art house for its own good. Maybe that's what quite, it is. Quite possibly. I mean, I will say that everybody involved in this quite clearly seems to be in on that vision because they all seem to be attuned to whatever the hell it is. I just didn't get what it is. I thought yeah. I was with it. I did not know what it was. Uh, so it's the latest from... I, I, I can't really give it a better review. than that. Like I say, it's incredible to look at. It really is. Yeah. Uh, Lucille um, Hazza Halilovic, I think, uh, wrote and directed this, her debut. And, I mean, it looks like nothing else, but in that way, that reminded me a lot of, like, that time about 10 or 15 years ago when every movie, for some reason, looked like The Orphanage. Do you remember that that brief time yeah. period or yeah. Pan's Labyrinth? Like that, 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 yeah, same kind of thing as that, but, like, you know, World War II, Europe, yeah, you get the idea. Like I say, it's called Earwig. I'm sure there are going to be many academics writing many articles about it on, on many a BuzzFeed or Slash Guardian page to come in the months ahead. So I look forward to reading them and finally understanding what, you know, what Earwig was finally burying for, you know, burrowing for. Yeah, this just wasn't quite for me, but I'm sure I'll get it on a rewatch. Welcome back to Offscreen. Now we're moving in our second block straight to the thing that Van is very familiar with. It's the title, All My Friends Hate Me. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> this isn't an autobiographical movie on yourself, I promise. <laughs> this is actually the story of a guy called Pete, who is excited to a point about reunited with for a birthday weekend in the country in a big old manor house with his friends from university or college. And... Um, very slowly as this happens, it starts off where essentially no one's there and he's like, why is no one here in the in the house? But very slowly but surely as the time goes on, his friends kind of turn against him one by one until he's kind of left questioning whether or not they're friends at all. Lost? Yes. All as much. Yeah. The old sat nav let you down then, eh? Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Long journey? Yeah. Um... Sort of late for my own party, actually, yeah. It's my birthday. Yeah, you need to loop back round through the red gate, bare left till you hit the land pub, then straight shot through Dorney, and it's on your left. Big iron front, you think? I remember. Thank you very much. Might come join you later. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll let the others know. Cheers again. Thanks. Later. Now, in the interest of balance, I'm going to say up front, Val and I have very different takeaways from this particular movie he quite enjoyed it I didn't really think much of it and I think we've come to the conclusion is to on the scale of cringe it's like how much do you enjoy watching cringe and I really don't so I really didn't enjoy this and yet you you said it was like yeah you quite enjoyed it for that reason and it's kind of almost people I I thought it was really clever because what you get is effectively a tense psychological thriller dressed up as a sort of university reunion dramedy. And then all of the cringy mm. social elements that just become weaponized along the way. Now, I just thought that was really well done. And I thought, especially in this, because I have this thing, I have this absolute hatred of what I describe as reality TV speak. This, this way that people seem to speak on reality TV shows uh, they're trying to like sound like they're saying natural, actual things, but they do it in a way that sounds weirdly... And, of course, you know it's because it's, quote, scripted reality. It's nonsense. And it, 
it's hearing people try and apply. I, I got a sick perversion out of, out, you know, sick perverse pleasure out of uh, out of the, the the absolute cringe intentionally wrought out of that. I thought it was great fun. Um, the way that, that this social circle mm. is weaponized, it, it, you know, be it intentionally or not. I thought was great. I also thought when it came to, you know, the, the great big point of, you know, narratively throwing the hammer down, when you got to do that big reveal, I thought it was it was subversive in a way that I had not considered. I, I will say that. I, I simply did not yeah. consider it to be a narrative option for the film. And yet it was one that I thought worked and was in step with the naturalism and the sort of believability and the almost relatability of, of of the story itself, I thought it was really well done. Um, the guy who plays uh, Pete is it's Tom Staunton, I think. He's also the co-writer of it. His co-writer, yes, his, yeah. his co-writer, does not appear on screen, I don't mm. think. But he himself has co-written the the film. It's uh, directed by Andrew Gaynord, uh, but he hasn't had a hand in the writing. But I do think the strength is in that script. I think the script works quite well. Look, okay, this is on a very basic level. Here's my issues. I know what I like when I go and see a movie and I know what I don't like. And I think everyone's got those elements to them when they go and see the film. I like to be immersed in something that takes me away, Mm -hmm. either via the narrative or by the characters or by the setting. And I didn't, and, and, and that takes me into this kind of other world that I can follow and immerse myself in. With this, I felt... I didn't like the characters. There's there's one particular character who is so overplayed, should be in like an episode of The Windsors. He's one of his friends who's like this drug taking, like stereotype. And it was just so over. We said we said Pamela and Sam Clayflin, didn't, didn't we? Yeah, Pamela and Sam Claflin. Uh, JML Sam Claflin, that's kind of what we went with. But I, I didn't really care much for Pete in this. And I was so bored of the setting. It's the same place throughout the entire movie. And for me, I kind of go, that stuff is not cinematic. That for me should be a play. And then if it was a play, you know, the performances have to be so engaging to keep you entertained throughout this. I love I love that you, you turned up to All My Friends Hate Me with, with the general takeaway of why was this meeting not an email? I hate, I hate him. 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 Why was this meeting not an email? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so, it should have been let's move on then. Let's return <laughs> to Jurassic World. Except we're not returning to Jurassic World this time because Jurassic World is gone. Jurassic World is gone and all the dinosaurs on it are dead. That's what happened in the last movie. Did you remember that? Did you remember how they uh, murdered half the dinosaurs? Yeah. yeah, that happened. They wrought that emotional torment out of you. And then they did a goth horror movie for another hour and a half. It was a lot of fun. I don't know why people rag on that movie. It was it was fine. It did something different. It gave me a raptor in a haunted house. It's fine. Anyway, time for the threequel. And uh, right, if you're keeping track as well, <laughs> this is the second threequel to have Colin Trevorrow involved. Do you remember the last one that had Colin Trevorrow? Because he got sacked off the last one and replaced. Do you remember that threequel? That was The Rise of Skywalker, which was a threequel spawned of a reboot trilogy that also conveniently started in 2015. Same as Jurassic World, so there's, there's a lot of connections here. Now, just to spoil this one for you up front, Trevorrow scores one better than J.J. Abrams did. Okay, his threequel beats the crap out of J.J. Abrams' one. Okay, it is better than Rise of Skywalker. Not by much, if we're being honest. 
but it's better. Okay, so the dinosaurs are out in the real world now. That's that's how this goes. They're out in the real world. So, you, you know, in, in everyday habitats, there's like whalers and Greenpeace and everything on the oceans having to deal with whatever the hell we call that. Motosaurus, was it? Or Mosasaurus, the, the underwater one. There's raptors out in the forests yeah. and T-Rex and planes of Africa. Everything you can imagine. All You know, you get it in montage form. We see these things, effectively. And... Uh, we we reach uh, we we re-enter this story, however, when locusts with a new unique form of genetic heritage uh, start eating certain crops, but they don't eat other crops that are laced with a certain pesticide that's made by a certain genetics company that also happens to be the genetics company that overtook all the PR damage control that side of the Jurassic Park disaster. And in order to investigate this crop, because it involves genetic engineering and certain relics of the past, that trace back to extinct species. A paleobotanist, namely Dr. Ellie Sattler, is called back into the mix to investigate what has actually caused this resurgence of prehistoric genes. Has this genetic uh, has this genetic modification, in fact, been intentionally introduced into the food chain by an unscrupulous corporation for some sort of attempt to stranglehold and control the food chain? Could they potentially be bringing about the death of mankind? Um, however, we will re- we will require a genetic sample of their research, which is located within a biological preserve that they have set up, which happens to be where they have rounded up all of the surviving dinosaurs from Jurassic Park and put them together. So effectively, we're doing Jurassic Park again, but this time we've got to go and get a sample of a bug from a lab in the center of it. You know what, though? Um, Chris Pratt's back as Chris Pratt and, uh, uh, what do you call it? Bryce Dallas Howard's back as Bryce Dallas Howard playing Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, however, at least the old guys are all back and they're still charming as hell. How are you kids? Mm. Amazing. Grown. It's shocking. They're both in college. Can you believe that? And Mark? It's over. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's okay. I'm back to me and my work. You know, it's... That's great. That's good. It is. I'm alone at last. Exciting times. Yeah, I'm living the Alan Grant life. It's just... Can be lonely. So free. Allie, you didn't come out all this way just to catch up now, did you? I love, I love that you basically, in, no. in your synopsis, you've, you've dragged out this thing, which ultimately tells you it's just one little tiny element that they base this entire movie on that really is a bit yeah hang on a minute so you you got them off the island for the second time in this franchise and your solution to what to do next was let's just create another enclosed space to put them in what what yeah i mean yeah i've seen some bad reviews i've seen some bad reviews for the for the uh, you know Mm. the pressure of time here how how does this sit in terms of the one star the Guardian not has one given star. it? No. The disappointment that total There are a couple of moments said. here, there, here and there where you think, okay, that's quite a cool set piece. You know, there's a sequence involving Bryce Dallas Howard like sinking into a swamp. You can see it briefly in the trailer. Um, that's really suspenseful. However, like everything else, it is amazing how meh all of it does feel. 
and especially when you compare it to the very first Jurassic Park. And generally speaking, by the way, you can tell how old yeah. someone is by what they refer to this franchise as, because someone our age, for instance, still refers to this as the Jurassic Park franchise, even though, you know, someone younger thinks of it as Jurassic World now. Um, it's not the worst one, because Jurassic Park 3 still exists, but... Uh, it's it's just such a meh. It's a MacGuffin hunt where the actual MacGuffin offers so much more narrative potential than the hunt for the MacGuffin because we've already done the MacGuffin hunt five previous times. And you're like, well, hang on a minute. No, because you have the chance to actually talk about how all of this affects the real world to talk about things like the food chain and climate change and stuff like that how do the how do the dinosaurs affect the the, the fate of humanity all of that stuff but no because we need to get a, a sample of the insect from the lab that's in the center of the fake jurassic park i, I will also just say by the way um <laughs> dodgson Dodgson for life. Um, if if that makes if that makes you like leap up and go Dodgson for life, yeah, then you're gonna love this movie. Have have a good time. Um, but yeah, what a waste of time and potential. Welcome back to Offscreen. Now, if you've cooled down from that review of Jurassic World and made your decision to not go to the cinema this weekend to go and see it, well, don't worry, we've got you covered. There's plenty on your telly box to make sure that you can watch some tip-top movies uh, at your leisure. And we're going to take you through that seven-day guide for you right now, kicking off with one of my favourite favorite movies of all time it is always deserved of screen time every time it comes onto our small screen it is anthony hopkins it is of course jodie foster it's clarice starling of course it's the silence of the lambs on 10 45 p.m on itv tonight oh what a way to start your weekend van Oh, I know. This is this is like a reminder that once upon a time they actually would let a horror movie uh, win and win Best Picture, because Chris Wilson once famously said this was before the Academy got embarrassed by the fact that it did that. Um, so you know, now we have to sort of dress these up as other things, like you know, The Shape of Water isn't a horror movie. You know, none of these things are horror movies uh, anymore. Movie. But uh, <laughs> oh my god, the performance though from Sir Tony, he's incredible in there, and that and just just that entrance scene. That uh, good morning, good morning, Doctor. I love yeah. that whole scene. Like closer, please. It, I, oh, it's so iconic. Um, there's just so many great moments in the Silence of the Lambs that just all come together to make it one of the most rewatchable films ever. And when you mm. consider what a depraved, sadistic, brutal, and very hard watch the Silence of the Lambs is, that is no small achievement. So Jonathan Demme's terrific Silence of the Lambs uh, tonight. It's still the best movie to feature Hannibal Lecter. Let's let's just say, of all yes. the movies to feature Hannibal Lecter, this is the best one. Manhunter is second, but this one wins narratively. So what have we got for uh, for Saturday night then, Bex? What are we looking for there? We're looking We've for BBC One. Yes, 21 Bridges, 10.20pm on BBC One on Saturday night. Now this is... The, I think I've seen this movie. This was in the cinemas not too long ago, was it? It was. This was 2019. This was not long yeah. before lockdown. This was, I think, October, November. This was a few months before lockdown. And it was yeah. Chadwick it's... Boseman is the cop who seals the island, seals the island of Manhattan, because yeah. apparently in this fictional uh, version of Manhattan, it's entirely landlocked by bridges. There's no other way, no other way onto the island except for these specific 21 bridges, which I think the Russo brothers 
brothers who produced this have admitted that they just made up. I think someone gave them a number and they're like, ah, it doesn't work, we'll use 21. And he's the cop who seals the island to try and catch the, they are cop killers who are, you know, at large on the island. And he's forced to team up with uh, Sienna Miller, I think it is, uh, to, 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 to find his, his fugitives. As you'll hear, demonstrated aptly here. How are you going to do this? There are 21 bridges in and out of Manhattan. Shut them down. Three rivers, close them. Four tunnels, block them. Stop every train that leaves the island. Amtrak Path, New Jersey Transit, LIRR, Metro North, and loop the subways. Then, we flood the island with blow. The late, great Chadwick Boseman there doing his best Denzel. Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> that is, it is, a, it is a role that Denzel would have had like 10, 15 yeah. years ago. Easy, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Well, let's move on to Sunday. And oh, Sunday, Sunday late afternoon, you would be forgiven for having done this in your early 20s or late teens uh, and wanting to reminisce and watch this again. This is Stardust starring Charlie Cox and Michelle Pfeiffer and... Gosh, I can't remember who else is in the cast. Uh, Claire Danes, uh, Robert De Niro, Ricky Gervais, uh, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill, we all forget, is the the Ponzi love rival at the beginning of this. I think this is just before he got Superman swole, you know? Yeah, and this is on at 5.30pm on ITV2. Um, Good fantasy fun. Um, if you would like to see that all-star ensemble and the movie that really started to put the wheels in motion for Charlie Cox's career, then Stardust is definitely one. And Matthew Vaughan as well. Matthew Vaughan's yeah. career kind of shot out of this. But this was this was very much, this is as close as I think anyone's gotten in the last sort of decade or so to doing The Princess Bride again. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But, I, you know, I love that kind of style of movie. And I like did, fantasy. totally. Yeah. It, so it's good. Let's move on to Monday. Uh, we are 9 p.m. on great movies. Me, myself, and Irene. <laughs> me, myself, and did you do you remember this one, Bex? Do you remember me, myself, I'm and Irene? To my brain, actually, I'm going to IMDb it whilst you uh, whilst you talk. It, it is a nasty ass movie. This one. Okay, so <laughs> it starts Jim Carrey in a Farrelly Brothers movie. I think this is his second Farrelly Brothers movie. He did uh, Dumb and Dumber, which was their breakout one in '95. Then reteamed with them for this, I think. And they had hit massive with something about Mary two, two years prior. So there was a lot of expectation on this. Um, he is the Jim Carrey is the Rhode Island Sheriff who discovers he has a split personality disorder and I forget one of them is named Hank. I forget which I think Hank is the evil one. And it's Jim Carrey's the sort of subdued Stanley Ipkiss one. And then it's just the mask again, effectively, but done as split yeah. personality disorder. And he, this all c- comes to light as he is tasked with basically transporting a witness played by Renee Zellweger, who's, I think, being hunted by her mobster ex-boyfriend or something. And it's madcap fun. It is obscene at times the stuff they could get away with in 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 this movie like the stuff they were allowed to say and do like you just this would not have been released in the last 10 years minimum Uh, it is just wrong put it this way this is literally the most broadcastable clip we could find stay away from me hank i know what you had planned okay i saw your so-called supplies that I was gonna just ram it home. No, I was gonna 
Lube it up and ease it in there inch by inch. Like a gentleman. I was talking about the shovel and the lime. Shovel and lime? <laughs> Thank you. I haven't laughed like that in a long time. Wow, I haven't seen it. I remember the poster, but I'm you like, remember the it. Foo Fighters song because that came out alongside. It had a video that actually had the cast in it. it was for uh, Breakout. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's the theme song to the movie. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, no, so that's great movies. Like yeah, 9pm great movies, me, myself and Irene. If you haven't caught it before, this might be one for you to catch. Let's move straight on. Sorry. Let's move straight on to Tuesday, which has got 9pm on film for Bohemian Rhapsody. Now, if you love uh, a little... Well, I would say this is a movie that follows by the book, the story of Queen and the rise and fame mm. of Queen. It's not it's not your rocket man that takes it a little bit more avant-garde. This kind of nah. takes it down the line with a typical musical element to it, which makes it feel a lot more like musical theatre to an extent. But it won Rami... Um, oh, goodness. What, Rami, Rami Malek is Oscar, Malek. yeah. Yeah, his Oscar, yeah. Um, and, you How know, can, I thought... You, you, I, I can never forget his name only because... His twin brother is Sammy Malek. So you have oh. to remember Rami Malek and Sammy Malek. You always got to remember, man. Oh, my goodness. Okay. That was an interesting twin choice. Um, but, yeah, that is on 9 p.m. on Film 4. So if you want some toe tapping, if you didn't have enough on the Jubilee weekend of seeing Queen uh, on the stage. It is yeah. also, incidentally, worth pointing out on Bohemian Rhapsody, is coming to streaming this next week as well on Disney+. Plus, and I think on Netflix as well. It is being bombarded onto seemingly every platform imaginable in the next week. So I, I presume that maybe the license has finally opened up to, uh, to everyone. But, yeah, everyone's getting Bohemian Bohemian Rhapsody this next week, so yeah, it's the new, it's it's the new, uh, uh, it's the new Peter, it's the new Frankie says relax, you know, T-shirt. Everyone has it, you know. It's the new Frampton comes alive, you know. Everyone has it in their home, but uh, so enjoy Bohemian Rhapsody, and that takes us to sex tape, I think, for uh, Wednesday, nine p.m. on that? Great Movies. Do you do you remember this one? Did you see this one? This was two twenty fourteen. Mm, let me again. I, I, I might have done, but let me jog. Cameron Diaz and Jason Siegel, and they are the suburban couple who are trying to like spice yes. up their, their their sex life. So yes, one I night, you know, married couple just decide, you know, in our own bedroom we'll make a sex tape, and then it accidentally gets leaked, and they set off. It's kind of like blockers, except you know that kind of manic hijink kind of comedy, except they're yeah. trying to recover the tape before anyone can see it. Have a listen. How do you forget? to erase your sex tape. Okay, it kept slipping my mind, and then the next thing I knew, it went up. It went up to the cloud. And you can't get it down from the cloud? Nobody understands the cloud. It's a mystery. Look, all that's happened here is there's been a very minor sinking mishap. This is not minor. You know what, Annie? I'm on there too. Nobody cares about you. Nobody wants to watch you having sex. You said it yourself. Nobody cares about the guy. It's the woman that has to live with it forever. You know what? These types of films, they can go one way or the other. And I'm pleased to say that this was a positive reaction to this. It was yeah. It was a fun film. I remember, now that I know what I'm talking about, I do very much remember it being funny and enjoyable. Mm. And you're right. Blockers is a great... Is a great Comparison sort of, sort of piece, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So great movie to watch. All great movies, in fact, on Wednesday <laughs> at 9 p.m. <laughs>
<laughs> yep, so we get to round out the week then. Thursday night, BBC Two, 11.15. We've talked about this one before. Uh, this is the Brian Wilson biopic, Love and Mercy, that stars uh, Paul Dano as the younger incarnation and John Cusack as the elder, um, as he as he struggles with his deteriorating uh, health, both physical and mental, in, in his older years. Um Great uh, supporting performance from Elizabeth Banks as well. I think this was one of two movies that year that had Paul Giamatti as the sleazy corrupt manager, uh, which is always an automatic win in my books. This is well worth checking out. I wish we had longer to to talk about it because it's it's a really good movie. And it's a reminder that John Cusack does occasionally, still in recent years, get cast in solid, decent, mainstream, high-profile movies, um, which I would like to see more of him doing. Please, no more Stephen King, The Cell, and Roland Emmerich's... What was that one? What was the Roland Emmerich one? 20, 2012, I think, wasn't it? But, yeah. uh, you know, so Love and Mercy, 11.15, Thursday night, BBC Two. If you're a Beach Boys fan, it's an absolute must-see. Welcome back to Off Screen. Now for your final trip down movie lane. We have everything that is available for you on DVD, Blu-ray and streaming. And we've got a Netflix, Disney Plus plethora of movies for you, plus a few things that are out on Shiny Disc too. So we're kicking off with, uh, which is coming out today, quite a few things. And and one of which actually has come out a little bit earlier from today. But we're going to start by taking you through Men of Honor, which is on Disney Plus as of today. Um, I I want to... Think that I've, I know what this is, but I don't. I thought it was like a Kingsman prequel again. <laughs> but no, this, this, I remember this coming out, like the marketing for this, and it was just after Pearl Harbor, and Cuba Gooding Jr. had like five minutes where he had a bit of traction again, and this yeah. was going to be the movie that you know built on that momentum. And it's it paired him with uh, Robert De Niro, and he was the naval diver. He was like I think he was the first African American uh, to become like a naval diver. It's a period piece, and the idea is that you know. Uh, Robert De Niro is the the hard as nails, you know, superior officer that he has to impress. He's trying to win over. It was whiplash before there was whiplash. Would you believe yeah. it was whiplash with a racial element and a period piece? And it was and it was Cuba Gooding Jr. on the back of Pearl Harbor. I expected it would be a bigger deal. Um, it's it's a perfectly fine movie, perfectly good. I enjoyed it. Uh, De Niro's not sleepwalking through. It's not one of his more memorable roles, but he's perfectly fine in it. It's a pretty good movie. Put it this way, perfect one to stream on Disney Plus. Like, if, if you want something on like a Sunday afternoon, you want like a, I want a drama that's going to have a few chucklesome moments, but I'm going to feel things and I'm going to root for someone, I'm going to root for the underdog, and I want, you know, I want that true story vibe as well. Go for this, Men of Honor. There you go. Which is not what I can say for our next pick. I don't think our next pick on Disney Plus is a very different movie, and uh, weirdly foreshadowed uh, its star's personal life. I think for years to come because it was Entrapment, which paired a fresh off the sizzling hot breakout role in uh, uh, Mask of Zorro, Catherine yeah. Zeta-Jones, with a geriatric Sean Connery in a heist romp. It was a heist romantic thriller of sorts, wasn't it? Yeah, and what do you remember from this film? You remember the laser scene, don't you? That's you remember the, the, the cat big... suit and the laser scene. Yeah, you remember Catherine yeah. Zeta-Jones in the cat suit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, this is, this is a movie which I think, you know, it's about a, a, an insurance agent is sent by her employer to track down and help capture an art thief. This is, yes. you know, 
it's the uh, not the pelican brief what's the one what is that famous art? thomas crown it's like thomas it's crown with a major yeah. age gap isn't it yeah it is it is that and uh you know we're not talking about piers brosnan on this occasion but um, we're talking yeah, a different it, bond though different bond yes yeah, but, but but he was in the Thomas Brown affair. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I think an enjoyable one hour, 53 minutes, you're not going to get anything too saucy, thank goodness. It is only rated 12. Uh, but, you know, just topping off the 90s from 1999, um, I think it's good fun. Oh, yeah, solid. I always remember Sean Connery's delivery of the line, you're playing both sides. <laughs> which always sticks with me but uh, entrapment is it was it was it was a hit if i remember correctly at the time um speaking of 90s things that uh, <laughs> we still have around for some reason coming to netflix well it's actually out already we thought we were told like based on the press releases we have that this was coming out today it turned out to arrive two days ago and it's the latest sort of serious effort from adam sandler in which he's the uh, the aspiring sports coach who's basically being used as like a a talent scout. He's being you know in, yeah. in in the sort of training ground of being a talent scout before they can sort of graduate him up to actual you know uh, team coaching or managing. I think it is. And he discovers someone that he thinks is the next great talent while he is scouting overseas. No one believes in him except him. And he's going to root for the underdog himself. So it comes to Netflix. Well, was going to come to Netflix today. It, it, it's on Netflix. It's been on Netflix for two days. It's called Hustle. And as I say, Adam Sandler's doing serious again. The Sixers don't know you stashed him. Being the guy who finds the guy matters in this business. Won't inspire you for this. I just want to make sure I do what's right for the kid. He's got a daughter to support. You got a daughter to support. Where are you from? Spain. Sound where? You think you can stop me? Welcome to America! That wasn't him. That wasn't even close to him. I fly home tomorrow. Is that what you want to do? Hey, you love this game. I love this game. I live this game. Let's get to work. Oh, there we go. So The Hustle, you can catch that right this second if you're listening. But don't switch off. We've still got more for you coming up. Next up, actually, one of those things is Hugo, which was out in 2011. Um, it starred Asa Butterfield. Um, it's got uh, Chloe Grace Moretz in it, Ben Kingsley, Jude Law, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was, I was in gonna this say, well. I remember Sasha Baron Cohen did a, did a bit of Peter Sellers for this one, I think. Yes, very much so. And it's basically, it's set in the th- 1930s, follows an orphan who essentially lives above or lives in the walls of a train station. Hmm. And he gets caught it's up like, in this uh, mystery. Yeah, I remember the the poster. I remember is him hanging on a clock tower, which I think hangs over the yeah. the station. But this was Scorsese's grab at 3D, wasn't it? Yeah, and also his his attempt at a children's movie in some respects. Well, but, yeah. Um, yeah, and and essentially he gets caught up in this mystery that involves his father and this kind of animatronic roboty thing that's there as well. So it, it's it's a fantasy film brought to you by Scorsese. It's good fun. It's very visual. And, you know, and I talked earlier about wanting to be immersed in something. If you've got the little ones in tow, this can definitely do that for you. And that is available on Netflix as of tomorrow. Um, and Hustle, as we've mentioned as well, is also available on Netflix. Uh, keeping it with the Netflix trends, though, we have uh, on Monday available for you, Motherless Brooklyn. Yeah, this one kind of came and went. This was a passion project for Edward Norton. I think he actually starred and directed in this one. 
didn't really go anywhere, but no one really seemed to see it because it arrived just before sort of COVID hit. So it was kind of a, it arrived and disappeared in two minutes. Like a lot of movies did that sort of month before COVID when we had a lot of uncertainty. And uh, well, you know, before we sort of sound, before Boris sounded the alarm in the UK anyway. Yeah. And uh, so it vanished. And unless you had Sky Cinema, you didn't really have a way of seeing this until now. So Motherless Brooklyn, May you know may find an audience now if you're if you're in the market for it, period piece thirty style fifties uh, might be fifties drama starring uh, Edward Norton starring and directed by Edward Norton. I'm looking forward to watching it personally. I never got the uh, the pleasure, but I know one that's finally arriving. I think this is its uh, this is its first time. This is finally arriving on UK. It had its premiere on streaming recently. I thought I thought we were covering that. Um, it's arriving on disc finally. Is Wrath of Man. The uh, forgotten Guy Ritchie movie from this last couple of years. Every few years we forget a Guy Ritchie movie. Like, nobody wants to remember Swept Away for some reason. I think we should all remember Swept Away and revisit it often. But, yeah. uh, in the, oh, and Revolver. Let's add Revolver to that yeah, list as well. Wrath of Man, starring Jason Statham, does not belong on that list. It's a remake of, I think it's a remake of a, is it a 70s film? I forget. But, uh, Stars Jason Statham as the uh, the armored car security driver who's slightly more than he seems, and he's actually conducting something of an investigation into a series of armed robberies that have befallen his company. Uh, as you'll hear in our clip in a moment, hits DVD and Blu-ray from this coming Monday. Not one of Richie's best, not one of Statham's best, but as you can hear from the clip, some vintage action from both. It doesn't feel right. It was as if he recognized H. Like he saw a dark spirit. What are you saying? I don't know what I'm saying. He's not a cop. Doesn't smell like a cop. But if he's not a cop, what is he? He's a dark spirit. So very, very brooding. Not not your kind of typical Guy Ritchie look and feel to that, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, so that is available on DVD and Blu-ray as of Monday. Moving on and sticking with DVD and Blu-ray is our next two picks. Uh, number one, which wasn't press screened. It wasn't really brought to life for the critics. Um, probably no. for good reason. Uh, this is the Nan movie. Catherine takes Nan, takes the yeah. bit. Should we be worried? I think we probably should, right? Oh, I mean, I haven't seen it, but oh, wow! I mean, who's is, is, is who's the other half of the James Corden duo? Because he's in this. Is it Matthew Horn? Is it Horn oh, and yeah. Corden? Wasn't it? Yeah, I think Matthew Horn's in this movie, which does make like he's actually turning up in movies again, which seems like a weird throwback to 15 years ago. But uh, yeah, I'm just having Catherine Tate on screen again. Like feels like a throwback to 15 years yeah. ago. But yeah, abysmal reviews. I shan't be watching it. I got burnt too hard by the Keith Lemon movie uh, a while back, <laughs> and I've not, and the Harry Hill movie. So I've not quite, like, sort of gotten rid of the sour taste in the back of my throat, you know, of, of, of British sitcom characters becoming TV, becoming movie uh, movie vehicles. That doesn't, it's not really gone away yet. I don't think I can digest this one. Uh, one that I did digest, our final one for this week, I, this went down a lot better than I thought it would, was um, a near three-hour reboot of Batman. Was it, was, it, was it over three hours, wasn't it? 
I can't remember, but it was it, it was three a and a bit, movie. wasn't it? I forget yeah, often. Possibly. And you can own the Batman for yourself on DVD and Blu-ray as well as of Monday. And do you know what? It is a great movie. Robert Pattinson surprises everyone, and yes, he can mm. do the big superhero character in this, and it is a wonderful take on this. I thought Zoe um Zoe Kravitz was fantastic in this. I thought, you know, all of the the broodiness makes for a real cinematic, immersive experience, which is obviously something that I love. And I definitely think if you've got a big TV screen at home, you want to keep this there, uh, on DVD and Blu-ray and watch it again and again just to get all the nuances that are in there. I as will well. say though, if you're going to do that, because I'm I'm planning to rewatch it, and I have thought yeah. this one through. Okay, so you have to shut all your curtains. Okay, yeah. I've got the big glaring monolith in the living room, it's like fills the wall, so I'm good on this one. You have to shut all your windows, right? Make sure you take your migraine medication, then crank <laughs> up the bass on the home cinema because you're gonna have like three hours of boom, 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 yeah. whilst being bombarded with red neon imagery. Okay, this it is migraine you but but surprisingly, really fits the movie. It does indeed. Well, look, that rounds off our DVD, Blu-ray and streaming section. And it rounds us off for another week. And I am off and I will be back with you in a month's time. Feels like forever. But I will do. And I know in the meantime, we're going to have Zara step in and do a fantastic job, as she always does, to cover cover my boots whilst I'm away. But I look forward to hearing and listening in on all of the upcoming uh, podcast uh, episodes. You've got next week. Good luck to you. Uh, Leo Grand. Good luck to you, Leo Grand, which is the uh, the Emma Thompson uh, male yes. escort uh, dramedy, which I have seen, and I will I will recommend whilst you are away if you get the chance to, to visit that Bex see might be it, worth it. See if it plays on the plane. Um, mm. The Lost Girls as well. Everything went fine, and then I think the big one, of course, is going to be Lightyear, which everyone is yeah. meeting the movie to be the summer as well. So, got loads to offer you, and I wish you a fantastic month ahead. I'll be back very, very soon. But thank you so much for listening in, and until next time, I've been Bex Perfect. I've been Van Connor, and we shall return. <laughs> <laughs>